Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. We are in this, uh, in this uh, series. We are in week three of the book of Ruth, and today we're going to be talking about the dating and the marriage relationship. Uh, essentially, what we're going to see in the story is that they are getting to know one another, and that's what we want to talk about. How do we get to know one another? How do we start to date, and how do we prepare for marriage in a way that honors God? Because that is always the goal. And today, what you're going to see in the story, you're going to see four signs, four things to look for if you're in a dating relationship to let you know you just might have a keeper, that you've got somebody you want to hold on to, somebody that you want to marry. Now, in these past, uh, the past couple weeks, we started off in the book of Ruth looking at, at learning when it's time to walk away from something, like, like knowing this is the time. And then last week, we talked about four qualities you'll see in, in the, somebody that you want to love. So we had four qualities in a guy and four qualities in a woman somebody that could uh, be the, the love that you want. But today we're going to talk about, about the, the four signs you might have a keeper. So as we get started, let me just take a quick poll. Let me ask you, how many of you would agree that if you are or when you were dating, that dating is awkward? Hands up. If dating is awkward, yeah, it, it's awkward, isn't it? And it's awkward for a lot of reasons. It's awkward because, you know, but even before you get to the date, you've got to ask that person out, right? Are they going to say yes? How, what is their response going to be? Are they going to be vicious? Are they going to be kind? Are they going to let me down easy? Are they going to say yes? And we're going to go out and have a great time. And then when we go out, what are we going to do? What am I going to wear? What, what, what happens if we get there and we talk about everything we can talk about in five minutes and there's like two hours of the date left? Like anybody feeling that tension? Like, and then what, what, what about the whole date? So the date is over and now it's at the end and, and well, you've walked them to the door and what now? Do, I, do you give them a fist bump? Do you give them a Christian side hug or do you go right for the tonsil hockey? You do not go for the tonsil hockey. That's not what you do. But there, it's awkward, right? There's a tension there like, am I going to mess this up? What do they think of me? Am I going to get a second date? Like, there's a lot of questions. And, and back in my day, back in my day when you were dating, you actually went on a date and you had to talk to one another. Nowadays, you all go on dates and you just sit there and stare at your phones. I have no idea what you're accomplishing. You could have done that at home on a comfy couch. You know what I'm saying? underneath a heated blanket, not together, I mean individually, because some of you are sitting at a dinner table. I go out on dates with my wife, and I look around, and there's people, they're just, I wonder if they're texting each other because they've forgotten how to talk to each other. You know what I mean? Tell me that's not a thing. And so I, I see that happen, but when we were younger, we had to talk to one another, and, and in fact, dating was so awkward when I was younger, I tried to remove the awkward from it, and, and what I did was I created something uh, or I came up with a plan that I called my Saturday night date girlfriend, okay? So I tried to remove the pressure and the awkwardness of the whole dating experience. And if you like this, steal it. If you don't, that's fine. Um, and if you want to make fun of it, just do it behind my back quietly. But anyway, uh, what I did was I would approach the, the girls that I would, I would like to hang out with, and I would say, hey, listen, there's no pressure here. Like, we're not dating. We don't have to talk to each other all the time, like, throughout the week. You don't have to worry about calling me. We don't have to hold hands when we go out. Out. We don't have to kiss. 
We don't, none of, none, of the, none of the stuff that you're worried about when you're dating, here's what we'll do. We'll go out on Saturday night, we'll have a great time and I'll pay and that can be the end of it if you'd like. And we, we just have a good time getting to know one another. And you know what? It worked. I took out plenty of girls. The girls that, that weren't dating because they were dating Jesus at the time, they would go out with me because it wasn't really dating. It really was, but it wasn't. And, and even in approaching them and explaining the Saturday night date girlfriend idea, it was awkward. So I thought I was winning, but I wasn't really. But then I was because I was going out with girls and, you know, whatever, I guess work it out. Uh, but it was awkward. Dating is awkward, regardless of how you do it. Today, today now everybody's dating very differently. And I, I get asked questions from time to time, like, Pastor Aaron, what do you think about online dating? Well, the truth is, is my wife and I uh, dated online, but before they had, like, online dating, before they had these online dating services, that she and I, the way that we were connected, somebody gave us an email and a phone number, and I was a coward, so I emailed her, and, uh, um, and I just wanted to see what, what she was all about. And so we emailed for a while, and then I was like, hey, do you want to get on Instant Messenger and we can chat? You know when AOL had Instant Messenger over dial-up? You all remember that, right? Yeah, okay, some of you do. Some of you are old like me. And she's like, how about you just pick up the phone and call me? And I was like, uh... Hello? Hello? Because this is how phones work, by the way. You hold them up to your ear. You don't do this thing. And, and you talk on, you know what I'm saying? You hold your phone out here. Everybody talks on speakerphone nowadays or on FaceTime. But you used to have to hold phone up to your ear. And I called her. And, uh, and she lived in Kentucky and I lived here in Ohio. And our dating was, it was just, just over the phone. But it started out online. So I don't have a problem with online dating and these online services. The one downside to online dating, though, that I'll tell you is it ultimately dehumanizes people. What it does is it reduces who they are down to a bio. Like, here's my interests, here's what I want, and you find out if you're a match. You're basically shopping for a human being, right? I think it dehumanizes them. I think that it removes their humanity, and I don't think that that's okay. I think it's important and wise that you know what you want. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think reducing a person down to a checklist is not a healthy thing because sometimes it's too much, but not for you ladies, not for you ladies. You ladies, you don't want too much. You just want a guy who is attractive, is funny, driven, has a good job, strong but sensitive, handsome but humble, somebody that'll share their desserts but is committed to the gym, somebody that likes pina coladas and dancing in the rain, and somebody who loves the notebook Virgin River and Miss Congeniality. It's not too much for you. You might as well be looking for a unicorn, ladies. Not a guy. <laughs> but what happens is we're dating, and we're, we're essentially just shopping. We're shopping for someone. And here's what I want you to get from today. Here's, here's what I want you to get from today, okay? Instead of looking for what you can get from someone, because that's what we're doing when we're shopping, right? We're looking for, do they have these qualities? Do, the, do they have these interests? What can I get from them? And instead of going, what can I get from them? You need to have in mind what you want to give someone, how you want to show up for someone, because you don't just attract what you want. You tend to attract what you are. 
Remember, if you want to have different results, you've got to do things different ways. If you want to do the way, things the way the world does, you will get the results that the world gets. So I'm telling you, we need to do things different. And as we continue our study of this Old Testament book of Ruth, this Moabite woman, you're going to see that she left Moab for Bethlehem and she committed to the God of Israel. And you're going to see this week how Ruth, this widow, gets to know her Boaz, the, her man of standing. And you're going to see some principles that are going to help you today that'll help you to, if you're dating, to date wisely. And if you are married and wishing you were single and dating, it'll help strengthen your marriage, even if you are, you are just, just married and happily married. It'll help you today. So I want you to enjoy this week because it's practical and helpful because next week it's just going to get weird, Okay. Uh, if you'd like to read ahead, you can go ahead and do that if you already know the story of Ruth. In fact, last week when I came off the stage, somebody came up to me and said, if you're about to tell me that the way to find a man is to lay at his feet and do the weird thing that was found in the Bible, because if you know the story, oh, spoiler alert, it gets weird, okay? So, um, uh, yeah, no, that's not what I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you, by the way. For, so, so, so next Sunday, actually next Sunday is Mission Sunday. We've got uh, our missionary from Estonia that is gonna be here that we support financially. She's gonna share stories of your impact and how you have helped her make a difference in Estonia. But we'll pick up the series the following week. So anyway, when we get back to it, it gets weird, all right? So today we're gonna to continue in Ruth chapter two and you're gonna watch as Boaz gets to know Ruth and you're gonna see the four signs that you might have a keeper, which are simply this. Here they are, the four signs you might have a keeper is that you find somebody who is seeking character, somebody who's exploring connection, somebody who is showing consideration and then receiving confirmation, all right? These four things, these are signs you might have a keeper, and I'll break them down for you one at a time. But here's a little bit of the context, okay? So Boaz, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, Boaz is a man of standing. That means he is a man of good character. He's a man of integrity. He loves God. He's a strong leader. He's a business owner. We see that he is kind and generous to his people and to Ruth. And what happens is, is Ruth, she is surprised by his kindness. In fact, she says this in Ruth chapter 2, verse 10. It says, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground in response to his kindness. And she asked, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? She's well aware of who she is. She's well aware that she's a Moabite and he's an Israelite. And she's like, why have I found so much Favor. Now, we don't know much about Ruth. We don't know. Maybe she didn't have a whole lot of self-esteem. Maybe she was suffering from imposter syndrome where, where you know what, where, and ladies, I, I, this happens a lot. A guy compliments you and you just, you have to shoot down the compliment, right? Like you just have to destroy it. And I'm not sure why. And in this situation, she's going, why me? What, what is your level of interest, sir? Why, why, why are you showing me some favor, Ruth may not have been attractive. We have no idea. But what we do know is she doesn't see herself like Boaz does. She doesn't see herself that way. Because here's what you need to understand. Boaz is not looking at her. He's looking in her. Because what Boaz is seeing is not her physical demeanor. He is seeing who she is. Because you can see it in his response to her when she's like, why have I found so much favor? He didn't go, it's because you're such a hottie. That's not what he said. He didn't say that to her at all. Boaz does not affirm anything about her physical features. What he does is he speaks to the most important thing, and that's how beautiful she is inside. 
And so the first thing he does is not often what we do, but he highlights who she is because he's seeking character. He's seeking character. Why me, Ruth says. And his response is, in verse 11, well, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. So he's heard the stories. He's heard about how she left Moab, a place that God called his wash basin, a place that, that God said, don't even associate with these people. She, she left Moab and came to Bethlehem. She's now pursuing the one true God. And she's also loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's loyal to God. She's also, she's not, doesn't have a victim mindset. Like she's not out here looking for a handout. She's out gleaning in the fields, which is where the poor people and the outcasts went because she's destitute and she's hopeless, but she's not a victim. She said, I'm gonna do something. And she got up and worked in the field. She's a hard worker. And she also didn't compromise her values and her morals. She's being honoring to God. And so like many women of that time who were married and became virgins and were hopeless and homeless, and destitute, many of them sold their bodies in prostitution in order to pay the bills. Ruth didn't do that. Ruth honored God, and she went out in the fields and worked. And so Boaz is saying, you know what I noticed about you? I'm not noticing your physical. I'm not noticing your body. I'm noticing your godly character. And so I ask you today, are you a person of character? Those of you in this room, those of you watching online, are you a person of character? More importantly, are you a person of growing spiritual character? Now, what I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you, are you a Christian? Because there's a whole lot of people that are Christians in name only. They are casual, cultural Christians. It's not what I'm asking you. What I'm asking you is, are you a serious, sold-out, blood-bought disciple of Jesus? Is that who you are? Because if you are, you can't tell me that you're out bar hopping on the weekends, hopping from bar to bar to bar, getting drunk and then showing up on church on Sunday. That's not what makes you a serious disciple of Jesus or hopping from bed to bed to bed and still asking God to bless your relationships. That is not what makes you a serious disciple. What I'm asking you is, are you a serious person of spiritual character? Are you a serious disciple of Jesus. Why does that matter? Why does it matter, Pastor Aaron? I'll tell you why it matters. It's because you don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You just don't. You don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. What is righteousness? It's right living before God. And when you live right before God, God puts his hand upon your life and blesses it supernaturally. It doesn't mean that you're not ever going to have troubles. It means that you'll walk through those things different than everyone else. When you live a God-honoring life, doing things his way in every area of your life, that's what a life of righteousness is. But, and that's what a serious disciple of Jesus does. You can't have that when the foundation of your life is living a life of sin. That means that you don't get God's best doing things your ways. When you miss the mark, which is what sin is, doing things your own ways, you miss God's best and you miss out on his blessings for you. And that includes your dating and your marriage. It includes that. So are you a person of spiritual character? Pastor Aaron, what does that look like? Thanks for asking. A person of spiritual character is somebody who prays and not just prays, but prays first. 
That's a, a high priority that before anything else, I'm going to pray. Before I take that test, before I send that text, before I ask them out on a date, I'm going to pray. Are you somebody who's growing in God's work? Did you join us? Are you reading through the Bible recap plan this year? You're going to read through your entire Bible in a year. You can do that with us. Get on the app. It says read your Bible underneath the events tab. Love to have you do that. But are you somebody who's reading a Bible plan and committed to getting into God's word on a regular basis? Are you somebody who's growing in that? Are you, are you somebody who just goes to church or are you somebody who's part of it? Like you've gone to growth track and you figured out your design and you've, you've joined the dream team and you're serving people, making a difference. You've joined a grow group to, to put down roots and develop some relationships with people. Or are you somebody who just goes to church or are you part of it? Are you a, when it comes to how you live your life, are you a person who tells the truth or are you somebody who's becoming more like Jesus every day? And I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being daily perfected. Are you a serious Christ follower? Are you a person of spiritual character? If you are, and you're dating someone, like you meet them and you go out, I'm going to encourage you to pay attention. Because as a serious disciple of Jesus, as somebody that, is, that is, has a person of spiritual character, you need to seek out a person with spiritual character as well. And so I'm going to encourage you to start noticing things in that person that you're dating, that you're spending time with, that you're considering for partnership and marriage, because that's what it is. You need to ask yourself and pay attention to this. Who do they hang out with? Because let me tell you something. You are the average of your top five best friends in your life. So whoever you spend time with, that's who you are. I had a teacher in high school who said, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. You've probably heard it said, birds of a feather flock together. So pay attention to who they're hanging out with. Pay attention. Pay attention to how they treat their family. How do they talk to their mom? How do they speak about their father? Notice these things. Pay attention to these things. How do, they, how do they treat people who serve them? Like waiters. Oh, let me tell you something. You want to talk about the diminished capacity for relationship? Mistreat a waiter in front of me. I, I'm, I ain't having it. That is like, uh-uh. You know what? You're not somebody I really want to hang out with or get to know anymore because I know everything I need to know right there. You mistreating somebody who is serving you? Why? Why miss Joe? Anyway, sorry. Let me do. I don't. It's not all, all at my notes. I'm just going. Mm, mm, mm. Notice them. Do they have a heart to serve people, or are they constantly demanding to be served? What about their work ethic? Do they go to work when they're supposed to be at work? Are they on time? Do they do their job, or are they constantly coming home complaining about being harassed that I didn't do enough today? Listen to me. If they're jerks to strangers and to their family members and their friends, if they have no quality friends at all, if they're critical of everyone and everything, if they're pushing you sexually and distracting you from God, these are not signs of godly character. You need to pay attention because when a person shows you who they really are, believe them. Don't make excuses for them. Believe them. When they show up in these ways, when you look at how their life is set up, you know that how they are living is a reflection of what they believe because what you believe determines how you behave. So pay attention. Let's be people who are of spiritual character and seek people of spiritual character as well. 
Now, if you're dating today and, and that person that you're dating is not helping you get closer to Jesus, in fact, they're taking you further away from Jesus, it's time to get out of Moab, y'all. I know that's gonna make some of you mad to hear that, and that's okay. I'm okay if you're mad at me because I'll save you 10 years of headache and a divorce. I'll save you, I'll save you some pain. Get out of Moab, cut the thing off. Boaz, in our story, he's a man of standing. He's a man of strong character, and he's looking for someone of character. And he notices Ruth's character, and he likes it. Now, the next thing we're going to see is that they explore to see if they've got a connection. So they're exploring connection. Now, you'll notice what Boaz does. He does not slide into her DMs and go, hey, girl. He doesn't do that. Doesn't invite her to his apartment for a private dinner so they can Netflix and chill. That's not what he does. That's not Boaz. He invites her to a lunch date, a public lunch date, by the way, so that he can connect with her. See if there's, do we actually have some chemistry here? He wants to get to know her. Verse 14 says, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, so they're not alone, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. It's possible, it's possible she wasn't that hungry. It's possible she got a salad with some croutons and some chicken and just had a few bites of it because she was too shy to eat in front of Boaz, and that's why she had a lot left over. Not likely, because she's outside working. It's a long day. It's hot outside, and she's in the fields picking up grain, bent over. She, it's likely she's got an appetite. It's not likely that she had a few bites and said, <clears throat> I'm done. It's likely she ate all she wanted and had some left over. But watch this. We, we don't know what her appetite was, but what we do know is, is that Ruth doesn't move too fast. She doesn't sit down at this lunch and go, hey, Boaz, you want to get married? I mean, not necessarily to me, but are you looking to get married? I mean, I'm available. I'm not saying we have to, but I'm available. How many kids do you want to have? And do you know their names? Like, she's not moving too fast. They're just exploring connection. Notice what they're not doing. They're not playing tonsil hockey. They're not visiting the heavy petting zoo. They're not doing the horizontal mambo and fooling around. They're getting to know one another and making a connection. <laughs> Y'all catched up? <laughs> caught up? Y'all caught up? Ladies, what you want is you want a guy who will initiate. You want a guy who will make the effort, somebody who will pursue you, not just your body. Because remember, your eyes are up here. Your mind is up here. You want a guy who will pursue you. I mean, it's fine that he's warm for your form, but you need more. But you, but you, but you are more than your body parts, ladies. Better find you a man that believes that. Amen? Yeah. I need the ladies some validation in this place today. For me, when, I, when, when Shanda and I went out on our, our first date, remember, she lived in Kentucky and I lived here in Ohio, and it was a four-and-a-half-hour trek. And so when we decided we'd see each other in person for the first time, I had big plans. And she came in town and stayed with a friend uh, that introduced us, and uh, we went out on our first big date. And uh, it was a double date with her because we wanted to see, do we have connection here? Because you know, who wants the awkward? You know what I'm saying? I knew that I liked her friends. Her friends liked her. She knew that she liked her friends, and maybe she'd like me too, Right? 
And, but, but we went out on a double date and we went to dinner and oh my goodness, she took my breath away when I opened the door and saw her like in person. I'd seen a picture of her, but seeing her in person, I was just like, my goodness. I still remember it was a white sweater kind of thing, but it was like all fluffy kind of like things, right? Am I right? Oh, pink. Oh, it's pinkish white, pinkish white. It was like, it was like, hey, listen, I should get credit for remembering at least that much. Okay. It was, it was 20 years ago, y'all. But I, but I remember her. I remember her stepping through through that door. And I remember seeing her for the first time. And I remember going on this double date. And afterwards, they wanted to go to a movie, which I knew was like the worst kind of first date ever. Because how in the world? I've got this beautiful woman sitting next to me that I want to get to know, that I want to talk to. Because I know my time is limited. Because she's going to go back to Kentucky. And I'm dying sitting in this movie next to her. Because all I want to do is talk to her. we got to look at the screen. Movies are a bad date night. Just, just FYI. Bad date night. I mean, it's fine to do that, but, but, but do some other stuff where you connect first, you know? Dinner and a movie is fine. But, but even still, I would just, oh, I just wanted to talk to her. I did wind up getting the nerve to hold her hand, which was really sweet. But it was like, you know, it was scary. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Not that she was scary. I was just scared. But the next night, the next night, because she was in town for the, the whole weekend, the next night... I decided I, I had planned a big date, and we went out. I took her to a murder mystery dinner theater so that we could go and have fun, and we had dinner together. I also took her to, the, to Mojo's Lounge, which was a coffee bar at Easton's. not there anymore. God rest its soul. And we sat there and we talked and we had a great time that night. I wanted to see, do we have a connection? Because I was looking for a partner. I was looking for somebody who would be into me, who, was, who would love me. And who would, who, I was looking to see, is there a connection? We hung out, we talked, we did coffee. I did magic for her. She loved it. It was great. She, we had so much fun that she actually prolonged her time that weekend. She was supposed to go home the next day, and she wound up skipping her clinicals and staying, staying and, and making dinner for me the next night at her friend's house. Isn't that right? Sure did. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I'm bragging a little bit, but I'm telling you <laughs> we had fun. And I was looking to find a connection with her because I'd been in a relationship with someone that I was looking for a different kind of connection. And we made babies. That's what happened. And I was not looking for that because that whole relationship didn't turn out well when the relationship was just based on the physical, on a carnal nature, on a sexual nature. That relationship didn't turn out well because I was not looking for someone with character. I wanted something real. So what do we do? We seek character. We are exploring connection. And the next thing we see happen for Ruth and Boaz is they're showing consideration for one another. Verse 15 says, as she got up to glean, so she's, she's, she's eaten and she's going back to working again. Boaz gave orders to his men. Hey, let her gather among the sheaves. Not just behind us anymore, because that's where they would glean. As the harvesters moved away, the stuff would be on the ground. He says, go ahead and let her come among you. Go ahead and let her come in among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even go ahead and pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. Whoops, they just fell. Whoops, they just fell. And don't rebuke her. See, what is he doing here? He's showing consideration for her because she came to work. He's guarding her dignity by not giving her a handout, but he's also trying his hardest to make it easy for her. She showed up to work. She showed up to glean in the fields, which, by the way, 
in the, in the law, it was required for the harvesters that anything that fell on the ground as they were harvesting, they were to leave it there. And it was God's plan for the poor, for the rejected, for the, the, the widows and the orphans, for them to be able to come to the field and pick up what was on the ground. They legally had to leave it there, okay? It was required by law. But Boaz isn't doing just what was required by law. Because if it was, whatever fell would have been hers. But he said, hey guys, go ahead and drop some extra stuff. For, for Ruth, go ahead and invite her a little closer. Go ahead and, and bring her in. Now, she's here to work. Don't just hand it to her, but just, you know, when she's not looking, throw a little extra her way. And he blesses her. He goes above and beyond. And it says, so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered. So now she's working it over. Well, what do I actually have here? And it amounted to about an ephah. You say, Pastor Aaron, what's an ephah? I don't know. What's an ephah with you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. An ephah is two weeks wages, okay? So that's what it's equivalent to. So in one day, because of Boaz's generosity, she's out gleaning in this field, picking up this barley that's on the ground, and she comes away with enough, enough. It would be the equivalent of two weeks pay. He, she worked one, and she was blessed with more. That's why I'd say, y'all, when you're dating Stop settling. Stop letting the bar be so low for the person that you are looking for. Find someone who puts out effort, not who's just looking to put out. Dang James. You want someone who doesn't just meet expectations. You want somebody who exceeds them. Mia, uh, thank you for that one person who clapped over there. I appreciate that. One person who's here with me going, yep, I hear what you're saying, Pastor. Y'all are quiet. I, you know what? When y'all get quiet, I just know I'm up in your business and you don't like it. And that's okay. I'm all right with that. I know God's working on your heart and that's what we're here for today. But for me, I'm a romantic. Like when I'm, when I'm in a dating relationship, I'm all about it. I, I, I want to be a blessing. So I'm a flowers. I'm a gifts guy. I'm a, I, I like to plan some, some fun dates. And in fact, I, I'm, I'm a romantic in such a way like when Shanda and I were dating, remember she lived four and a half hours away. I spent a Sunday, I drove all the way, after I served at church, I drove all the way to Kentucky on a day that I knew she couldn't see me because she had a big test and she was studying, so we couldn't see each other that weekend. She was like, you can't come here, I can't come there. And so I drove all the way to Kentucky on a Sunday. I knocked on her door. She didn't know I was coming. She was surprised. I kissed her and I said, I got to go. You said I couldn't hang out today. And I drove four and a half hours home. Nine hours for a kiss, y'all. It was a good kiss. But that's who I am. That's who I am. And I was looking for someone who would love me that way too. Someone who would not just meet my expectations, but exceed my expectations. And so what, one of the things that I discovered early on about Shanda was she was more than a pretty face. Shanda cared about me. She loved me. She loved that I was sweet to her and she in return was sweet back to me. One of my favorite things that we did was because we couldn't see each other on a regular basis and we, text messaging wasn't a thing, y'all. When we were dating, you still had to pay for every, every like character that you sent, right? Does anybody remember that time when text messaging cost money? Yeah, right over here. You remember, you got me, right? Yeah, I feel you. And, and it, was, it was expensive. And so we decided to put, put letters in the mail and send them to each other. But she struck first because after one of our dates. I was in Kentucky. And I came home. There was a card waiting for me, y'all. 
There was a card and it had a special note written in it and she signed it from Miss Marie, which is her middle name, but that was the nickname she gave herself in all of our love correspondence. And those notes, they continued. They even got silly at times. We even got a, a UV pen and wrote it so that you could only read it underneath a black light. We wrote poems to each other. We got silly with it, but we were having so much fun. And what happened was she not only met my expectations, she exceeded them. It wasn't a one-time thing. Yo, we've been married nearly 19 years. I traveled last weekend, and do you know what, what I found in my bag when I got to my hotel? She put a note in my bag, signed from Miss Marie. She's so sweet. She's always exceeded my expectations. Ladies, what you want is a guy who will put some thought into a date. What you want is a guy who will clean out his car so that you're not sitting on his fast food wrappers. Because let me tell you something, a guy who won't clean out his car is, is a guy who will likely is okay with leaving that rubbish around the rest of his life too and in your relationship. And as it goes on, that's not going to change. You want a guy who'll clean out his car when you go on a date. You want a guy who has prioritized you and has therefore saved up money so that when he takes you on a date, he pays for it and doesn't need you to pay for it. Not just for yourself, but for him too. I see more and more of that happening today. And I just scratch my head and go, what is going on in the world today? These ladies who are dating these guys who show up and can't pay. What? What? My wife makes more money than I do. And I'm okay with that. But you know what? When the bill comes at a restaurant, it is my debit card that comes out to make me feel like I paid, okay? <laughs> Some of y'all can relate. You know what I'm talking about. But ladies, you want a guy who prioritize saving so that they can pay. You want a guy who maybe is going to give you a thoughtful gift. You want a guy who's going to take you to a restaurant that doesn't have a drive-thru on it. You want a guy who's going to ask you questions. How was your day? How are you? Somebody who wants to know your dreams and your passions and your desires and your hopes. You want somebody who's interested in you, values you, somebody who walks you to the door, somebody who protects you, prays for you, and honors you. This is the kind of guy you're looking for. And guys, if you want a Ruth, a woman of character, be a Boaz. Be generous. Make an effort. Get to know her mind. Get to know her heart and dreams and passions. Be interested in anything of hers other than that thing, that thing, that thing. <laughs> my fan section over there she got me because remember you don't just attract what you want you tend to attract what you are so if you're looking for a woman of character you're looking for a man of character you be a man or a woman of character first so seeking character exploring connection showing consideration finally what's happening is they're spending time together they're starting to get confirmation they're starting to get confirmation that this person might be that one and so they're receiving this confirmation. Watch what happens is Ruth takes home this ephah, this, this two weeks of wages and all this barley. It's a lot of grain. And she shows it to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And in verse 19, her mother-in-law asks her, where did you glean today? Where, where did you work? What, what happened? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she'd been working. She said, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. She said, Boaz sounds nice. I like Boaz. He's a good guy. 
Not only did he take care of you, but he gave you enough for two weeks, and he's taking care of me too. I like Boaz. That's a good man. She's saying, who did this? He's a good guy. He's honorable. He's a godly man. Naomi is celebrating this because if you go back to chapter one, remember Naomi prayed for Ruth. She prayed that God would send her a godly husband. She prayed that prayer, and she's now here showing up confirming, hey, this may be the guy who's answering God's prayer or my prayer to God for you. He may be that one. Listen, it's always a good sign when those who love you most like who you like. That's always a good sign. It's okay if they like how they look. Like, okay, she's fine, or he's a good-looking guy, but that's not what I'm talking about. Do they like who they are, not just how they look? Do they like who they are, not just how they're dressed? Do they like who they are, not just the car that they drive or the job that they have? Do they like who they are? You say, well, how do I find that out? You're going to have to ask them intentionally. Tap your family and say, hey, I'm going to need your help. Or if you don't have, if your family's toxic or maybe your family has passed away or they live far away and you can't tap your family, tap your church family. Tap your grow group. Bring them to your grow group and say, hey, I want next week I'm bringing so-and-so and I want you to meet them. I want you to let me know what you think. Have them help you find confirmation. Do they mix well with your friend group? That's important. Are they engaging? Do they ask questions and answer questions well when they're hanging out with them? Are they contributing? Like, you know, when dinner's over, do they take their dishes and clean them off and put them in the sink or do they leave them on the table for someone else to clean up? Is the, if the trash is full, do they volunteer to take it out? Hey, where's your trash can? I'm taking this out. Do they contribute? Are they polite? Do they say, yes, sir? Do they say, no, ma'am? When they come into the house, do they say, do you want me to leave my shoes on or should I take them off? Are they considerate? Are they grateful? Are they somebody who says thank you when they are served something? Hmm. Are they arrogant or are they humble? You know, we had a, had a young lady who came to our church. She was a transplant. She came here to uh, live because of her job. Her name is Tina, and uh, this was in our funeral home days. And I, I, this just, it was a long time ago, but this is still one of my favorite stories. And Tina showed up at our, at our church, and she, knew it. she didn't know anybody. She, she didn't know anybody, and she's like, I need a community of people. And so we, we rallied around her. We loved her. We, 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 well, she was like our neighbor. She lived around the corner from us, so she had lots of dinners at our house, and we wound up having lunches together. We loved Tina. Tina was awesome. And then Tina, after she gets herself situated, decides she's going to date. And so she gets on one of those apps, and she finds a guy. And the very first date she takes him on, guess where she takes him? To church. That's right, because she said, all I've got is my church family to tell me whether or not this guy is a good dude. And so she brought him around, and guess what? We loved Casey. Casey was amazing. He was a great guy. We wound up hanging out with him. We wound up having lunches with him, lots of dinners with him, double dates with them. We were in groups with them. We loved Tina and Casey. In fact, Casey joined our church, and Casey joined the band. It was great. He put down roots. He said, I'm here. I'm here for it. And then... Tina introduced Casey to her family, and her family loved Casey, and Casey's family loved Tina. And you know what? I'm happy to tell you that shortly thereafter, I did one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever done. It's a great story. You need to have people in your life who will confirm that the person you are dating is a good person for you. And hopefully you've got that. Hopefully you've got a Christian community. Hopefully you've got families and friends, people that you trust. Because let me tell you something. If they don't like the person that you're dating, it would be wise to listen. <laughs> he said, but I love him. 
There's so much potential in her. You don't know them like I know them to say that you don't like them. Can I just offer a word of caution here? And some of you are going to like this and most of you are not. Be careful. Be very, very careful when you're dating, especially in this space, uh, because when you're dating and you're engaged in premarital sex, there's a problem. And let me tell you what the problem is, because the Bible makes it really, really clear, okay, that sex is a gift. It's fun. It's good. It's great. It's a gift, though, that is reserved within the context of marriage between a man and a woman. This is what the Bible outlines for us. And the Bible tells us, because of that, that if you are having sex outside of that relationship, Proverbs 5 says that sex is intoxicating. That means if you're having premarital sex, you are drunk. And do you know what happens when you are drunk? People look better than they actually are. Dang, James. Got a lot of those today. People look better than they actually are. You can't see the issues clearly. This is why I told my kids when they were younger, I was like, sex is great, but it complicates the relationship before you get married. God intended for it to be this way, guys. You say, but I love her and I love him. But if you're having sex with them, then you are drunk on sex and you need to sober up. You need to sober up. No wonder you can't see clearly enough to cut that relationship. You can't recognize that they're of the wrong character. You can't even recognize that your connection is nothing more than that connection at your hips. You can't even recognize that they aren't even considerate of who you are and what you want and your dreams and your passions. You're drunk. You're drunk. And it's time to sober up and recognize that it's time to cut them loose. Because if your mom doesn't like them, and your dad doesn't like them, and your brother doesn't like them, and your dog doesn't like them, and your cat doesn't like them. That's not really a thing. Cats don't like anybody. But if your best friend doesn't like them, if your grow group doesn't like them, it's likely that they are not the best person for you to be with. You want confirmation. Ruth, she shows up sweaty to this lunch. She's not looking her best. And Boaz, he sees her. He sees her character. She's more than her physical. He sees her character, and he starts exploring that connection. And he shows her consideration, and then they're getting confirmation. This is a good thing. So what if you're dating and you don't see these things? What if you're married and your relationship doesn't reflect these things? It's not where it should be. Well, the answer is found in our text today, and I'll give it to you. We're going to spend some more time talking about it, but here is the answer. It's simple because Ruth told Naomi, this man who blessed us, his name is Boaz. And Naomi is, of course, like, Boaz? That's a relative of ours. And the Lord, she said, the Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. God's showing them kindness. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now, some of you, as soon as you found out he was one of the close relatives, you're like, bum, 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 like, you know, oh, so this is like a, you know, it's a second cousin or it's a third cousin because that makes it okay. No, no, no. You need to understand that he's not, he's not a relative of, of, uh, of Ruth. He's a relative of Naomi, and he is a guardian redeemer. Other translations call it a kinsman redeemer. The idea was, and it was written into the law, is that if you married a man and that man died, his brother was then to marry you and provide for you, to protect, to help you create a legacy, to pay your debts. They were to marry you and make you their own in order to carry on legacy. 
But what happens here is, is Naomi says, hey, that guy's one of them. He's not the first one in line. He's not Elimelech's brother. He's the second one in line. So Boaz, my point here is Boaz has no legal obligations to Naomi, and he certainly has no legal obligations to Ruth because she's a Moabite. And yet, and yet, we see him here as one of the guardian redeemers who is blessing her. He doesn't have to give her a thing, and yet he's choosing to give her everything. This isn't the law. This is grace. Grace is when we get what we don't deserve. And Boaz is giving Ruth grace. Boaz is a type and shadow. In other words, he is an example of what we find in our New Testament guardian redeemer, Jesus. Hmm. Jesus protects us. He paid the debt of our sins. He meets all of our needs. So whether you are dating or whether you are married, he will meet all of your needs needs. And in all things, he promises that for those of us who love him and serve him, that all things will work for our good and for his glory. That what he does is he takes what is broken. So maybe that's your marriage today. Maybe that's your dating relationships and and your, your history. And it's just broken. God takes what is broken and he makes it new. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation, that the old is gone. So that means today that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're doing right now, whether you're living together before you're married, or maybe you're struggling in your marriage right now, or maybe you're here today and you're wounded from a divorce, no matter what. When we call on God, he answers. And our God is a redeeming God. That means he takes what is broken, he repairs it, and he adds purpose and value to it. He buys it back. That's what redemption literally is. He pays a price, he buys it back, restores us to a status we didn't earn, we don't deserve. This is who God is. No sin is too great for God's grace, my friends. No marriage is too broken for God's healing. And no relationship is beyond God's redemption. When two people will seek God together, everything will change. You say, oh, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, that's my problem. My spouse isn't here. My my spouse won't, won't seek God. That's okay. You go first. You do it. You be the one who pursue God. You be the person of spiritual character. You be that person first. And you know what you get to do as a person of spiritual character? You can pray for them. And the God who hears our prayers will answer your prayers. You lead the way first. Seek God. You cannot make them pursue God, but you can pray. Amen, everybody? You can trust God to work on their hearts in the same way God's working on yours right now. Jesus is our guardian redeemer. He loves you. And he's here for you today. This is where I'm going to wrap up our service. So let's pray. Lord, today, I know that, that there's some of us that are single and wish we were married. There's some of us that are happily married. There's some of us that are married and wish we were single. There's others of us that, are, that were once married and hate that we're single. The divorce broke our hearts and our lives. 
We're all over the map in our, our journeys here, Lord. But I'm trusting you with every single one of those scenarios, trusting that you are good, trusting that you are loving, trusting that you, God, love us more than we even love ourselves. And so today I'm lifting every relationship up, every person up here today, God. And I'm asking you to help us to trust you, to lean into you, our guardian redeemer, our provider for all that we need. God, give us wisdom. As for those of us that are dating, give us wisdom to seek character, to explore connection, to find that confirmation as well, Lord. Help us, God, to walk this out well before you. And those of us that are married, we're longing for that in our relationships. God, help us to be a person of spiritual character first. Help us, Lord, to recognize that maybe we were at once, but we let those ways drift from us. And as we let those ways drift from us, so, are, so did our relationship. Our relationship drifted as well. It happens. But as we repent, as we turn towards you and turn towards one another, I pray that you would bless us, Lord. Bless our relationships. Bless our marriages. Bless our dating life. Bless our homes. May your hand rest mightily upon us as we turn to you, seeking you for how we walk this out. Now, as we continue to pray in this moment, every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you in this room that what you need most is not a spouse. It's not a, a partner, somebody to date. What you need most is a relationship with God. And maybe as we're talking about how much God loves you, you've never even heard that before. You've heard about how angry God is at you. You've heard about how much he hates your life and your decisions, and that's just not who God is. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not what I read. And so today I want you to know he's here for you and he loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son to pay a price that we could not pay for our own sins, that Jesus laid his life down for you because he loves you. He died on that cross brutally, being tortured and rose from the dead on the third day. He did all of that so you could be forgiven. You could be made brand new. And today, if you're ready to enter into the relationship God has for you by accepting Jesus's sacrifice for your sins, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if that's you, just let me know. Say, Aaron, that's me. Just lift your hand up. Say, Aaron, I'm doing that. I'm making that decision today. Go ahead, shoot your hand up. Say, yeah, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands all over this room, Simple Church. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Now everybody prays together. Everybody prays out loud. Nobody prays alone. So here we go. I'll give you the word. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, heaven's having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. 
The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship, where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.